I am the Sword Master! Welcome to Theoretical Nonsense, the Big Bang Theory watch-along podcast. No PhD necessary. We're the podcast that recaps all episodes of the Big Bang Theory. No spoilers. So hop into your favorite spot. Make yourself a grasshopper. And and enjoy enjoy the the ride. ride. Hello there, Ryan. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we just watched episode three. The Fuzzy Boots Corollary? Is Co- Corollary? Corollary, that's right. I'm looking at the, my notes and I had a D in there. I don't know why. Yep, the Fuzzy Boots <laughs> Corollary. Corollary. Uh, it's episode three of season one. But uh, I just actually wanted to get started on a little bit of housekeeping stuff. Uh, we actually started a po- sorry, we actually started a Twitter account. So if anybody's interested in following us on Twitter, I'll try to update this as much as possible. Ryan and I are pretty pretty much novices and boomers when it comes to technology. So Twitter can be a little bit uh, it's a little intimidating. But if you want to follow us, we are at theoretical pod. We're trying to figure out the Twitter. Yep, the old Twitter. We also just started an email. So if you want to email us any questions, comments, or anything like that, or questions or things that you liked about the TV show or Big Bang Theory, or just want to connect to us, we're at theoreticalnonsensepod at gmail.com. That's theoreticalnonsensepod at gmail.com. All right, housekeeping over. <laughs> <laughs> So how have you been since the last episode? I've been wanting to tell you I actually went out and got Thai food. Nice. How was it? Did it help uh, with your digestion? It. Uh, that, <laughs> that I didn't. I, I didn't get curry. I uh, actually ended up getting pad Thai. I got the Thai wings and honey pork over rice and and the Thai tea. And how but, did you eat it? With a with a fork and a spoon. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no chopsticks. At no all. chopsticks. They didn't even offer them, which really, yeah, I'm okay with because that's the (laughs) proper way. That's the proper way. They know what they're doing. (laughs) Yep. So, um, have you had a chance to to tally up your Sheldon Ryan points? Right, right now we're still just at the one and one. Um, you know, if more come up in this episode, but um, yeah, right now uh, we're at one and one. All right, not too bad. I'm going to be kind of critical on this. I'm going to try to uh. I feel like there's lots of points I could be like, oh, there's a point, but it's going to be have to really speak to me to add a point to either side. Yeah, I agree. You can't be really willy nilly with it all. It's it's got to mean it's got to mean it. Yeah, this is a serious count. Of course. <laughs> so for if this is your first episode li- listening to us, Ryan has actually been associated with Sheldon Cooper. Like, when they first meet him, they think he is Sheldon. It happens from time to time. They go, have you seen the Big Bang Theory? You're a lot like Sheldon. I'm like, uh, never seen it, but that's not the first time I've heard that. Yeah, I don't know what that means, so I don't know how to take this. (laughs) Thank you, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Well, we'll be the judge of that after 12 seasons. And so we're taking points on if I'm more like uh, Penny or other characters versus am I most like Sheldon? And uh, right now it's one and one. 
All right, cool, cool. Do you remember <laughs> what the points are? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> uh, I have them down somewhere. Um, wearing uh, T-shirts that are festive was for Sheldon. And um, I think the cleanliness, being clean, uh, I am not like Sheldon. <laughs> all right well it's a good tally so far so we'll we'll see how many points you accrue in the next episode mm. all right so today we're talking episode three the fuzzy boots corollary corollary not corroderie i hope i'm saying that right <laughs> no i just messed it, it up <laughs> it was aired october 8th 2007 written by chuck Lorre and bill prady the show's cr- creators and it was directed by Stephen Malaro. A quick summary of the episode. Leonard still fancies Penny, but when he sees her kissing another man, he decides to ask out an acquaintance of his. This failure leads to Leonard wanting to get a cat to fill in the void of his loneliness. Sheldon talks him out of this and results in Leonard asking out Penny on a date. Date. All right. Like, in quotes, date. <laughs> yeah, was it really a date? Was it, was it a date? <laughs> Was she dated? (laughs) So, spoiler on this one, no. No, no, not really. (laughs) All right. We open. All right. Opening scene. All the guys are in extreme concentration. They are having what I thought at first was a LAN party, but after thinking about it, it's not, because it's probably, it's an open world, the world of Warcraft. Yeah, it it definitely reminded me of LAN parties back uh, when... I did land parties as opposed to playing online, uh, but you're right that it's an open world, right? Yeah, uh, to all the youngins out there, a land party stands for a local area network. It means that you had to play within the exact same network, so you pretty much had to be on the same connection. You had to be near each other in the same room, whereas these days everything is based off Wi-Fi, stronger servers, and everything like that. So you don't really have to, but it's always fun to be in the same room. I was going to say, my, um, back in my day, uh, we would take Xboxes or Playstations, and they would have the cords that you would directly hook up to each of them to link them up, because they wouldn't even get online, right, as before Wi-Fi. Um, and so I was playing, like, Command & Conquer on Playstation through this landline. Um, and it, it is fun. There's something to be said to be in the same room and uh, be talking while you're playing, and... Uh, blowing up your friend's bases or whatever it might be. Yeah. And yelling at it, yelling and screaming each other, like in each other's faces. And then there's always pizza chips, booze and stuff like that. It's, oh, it's, it's a magical time. A lot of grease on the keyboard and controllers. Uh, always. (laughs) Those were the the guys. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the guys are at the outside of the gates of Elzebub. And Leonard tells everyone to not panic. This is what the last 97 hours have been about. 97 hours. I can relate. (laughs) Uh, They enter the gate. Raj freaks out. Oh my god, so many goblins. And Howard freaks out. Slash and move, slash and move. And then Sheldon gets the Sword of Azeroth. I I love the intensity of all of them. It's like so intense. Yeah, I I still play with this amount of intensity. And we uh <laughs> we've been talking about how Sheldon is uh 
pretty selfish. So as everybody else is like working as a team, he's on his own doing his own thing, which you would think in 97 hours, they would have prepared for that. But you'd think that they would know Sheldon well enough to know that this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, So he steals the sword, right? Yep, he steals the he steals the sword of Azeroth and he sells it on eBay. Immediately, he basically steals the sword, logs out while they're all still dying with the goblins, and yep. uh, they they make a joke about his character. He's a night elf, he's a, right? Yeah, he's a rogue night elf. It's rogue in his character, elf. which uh, that that might be a point for me being Sheldon because that's the that's the group I tend to be when I play video games or rpgs as long as i can get into the elves and the night elves and i love rogues so yeah it's too bad uh ryan and i played diablo 2 resurrected and there are no night elves all human class characters in that Mm -hmm. but this got me thinking about um selling virtual items online have you ever done that have you ever bought anything or sold anything I've never done the virtual stuff, uh, and it's becoming more of a thing with, uh, what are they, non-fudgeable tokens and FTs? Yep. But uh, before those, people were still doing it. I, I've never, I think I've had friends who've sold items online, but um, I've never purchased or sold what I've gained online. How about you? I haven't. I looked into it. I used to trade a lot in Diablo. I never played World of Warcraft, but I did a little bit of research on this one. Mm-hmm. This really isn't an IQ point. There's nothing intelligent to learn off this. <laughs> but... I, I, I have it as an IQ point on mine, but it's really not that big of an IQ point. <laughs> it's unless you. I don't know if any, but well, depending on what the item is and what the game is, you could turn this into a, a career. But maybe. Um, you found a different price than mine, but I looked, I did a little bit of research on what the most expensive World of Warcraft items were sold on eBay. What'd you find? So I found a site um, that said the most expensive World of Warcraft mounts. So it was different. It was based off the different category. So yeah. the mounts. So uh, there was a, the Reigns of Swift Spectral Tiger, which sold for $990. The Blazing Hippogriff sold for $390. Ghastly Charger's Skull, $390. Uh, most, in terms of weapons, the most expensive was the Chromatic Sword, $460. And the most expensive pet was the Guardian Cub at $33. But these, again, if you're a World of Warcraft player, you may have sold something for more but it may just not have been documented these were the most expensive documented items on world of warcraft so you think in howard paid around three to four hundred dollars for that sword i can see that see that that's realistic i can see that yeah i mean what else do they spend their money on that's true the uh, t1 internet right yeah, <laughs> that's uh, if you big actually thing. look at the back, if you look at the background of their of at least Leonard and she- Leonard and Sheldon's home, there's a lot of figurines. That's true, and uh, brand cereal. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say um, that. I actually, oh, sorry. Go, go, I'll let go you ahead. Yeah. I was going to say I found this other website, um, Odelio.com, that mm-hmm. said that the. That one of the most expensive items to, or in terms of 
actual dollar value is Tibu's Blazing Longsword, which has a value of two to four thousand dollars. Wow. Didn't say it was actually ever sold for, for that much. It was just valued at that much. Are these just um like randomly generated items that you find in the game? I like I, I haven't played World of World of Warcraft either, so I would imagine it's very similar to Diablo, that there is actually a finite number of items, mm-hmm. and there is certain rarities of them. So it's kind of like uh, magic cards and booster packs. When you get a drop, uh, you have so much chance of finding this really rare item. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to say, I found um, information that a character account was sold, and the character had many rare items and uh, elements to it. Uh, Zuzo for $9,500. However, once uh, it came out that uh, account was sold and traded like that, the account was banned. So uh, I would say there's some buyer's remorse there, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God, that sucks. Right? <laughs> what sucks that you can't just like sell a character and just like sell your account or something like that yeah i I need to look more into the technicalities and legalities of that because it seems like uh if you can sell a sword you can sell your mount your pet uh why not sell your character well i did a little bit more research on just selling items in general like okay like world of warcraft is really big but like what's the most expensive online item that has been sold for a digital world uh-huh. and according to nolitzer.com the highest selling item in a game was in the game entropia you can buy a whole planet in that game a company named c world c virtual worlds s-e-e sh- uh showed that when they negotiated a deal to buy the planet calypso from mindark studios in the end, the final price was over $6 million. Whoa! Have you heard of that game, Entropia? I don't think so. I think I've seen the name, but I haven't seen pictures of it or really know what it is. I've never heard of it, never seen of it, so I did a little bit of research on what it was just so I could understand it. Uh-huh. And it's an MMORPG, but it's basically if that meets facebook meta mm. you know i was imagining it was something like a uh, second life where it's second life is like a facebook meta right uh there's no actual objective except to live another life um and i've heard stories of people making and selling stuff on there like you said as a career but um never a whole planet yeah, in terms of meta, I actually looked into buying land there at one point. In Second Life or in Facebook meta? Oh, in Facebook meta, because they're, they're actually selling land there, just like real estate. Huh. I looked into it, um, didn't get very far in my in my research. <laughs> it was very complicated, and honestly, at this stage, I don't know if I trust it. That's, that's my big thing, is uh, <laughs> I pay for it, and suddenly, um, never mind, the land's gone. What? Yeah. <laughs> That was my land. Or it, just become, or it becomes valueless. I try yeah. to install, or I try to put like a Starbucks there. <laughs> I don't even know. But what's more relevant for us is I looked into what the most expensive item sold in Diablo 2, 
at least Diablo 2 Resurrected. I don't know about the original, but uh-huh. it was actually th- uh, the most expensive item sold that was documented was a rune word base. It was a six socket sword sold for $300. Seems like a fair deal. Which makes sense because Di- Diablo 2 is a lot older. Um, it's yeah. not as relevant these days. It was. I feel like Blizzard brought it out just for nostalgia's sake. Uh huh. So it make it makes sense that it wouldn't be that much, but it's it's a little crazy that it's a rune word base. Hmm. I'm guessing, uh, like you said, it's the uh, traffic too that more people play World of Warcraft and have invested so much time into that that you get the supply and demand that there's that many people who want the rare stuff. And with Diablo two, it's uh quite a f- bit fewer players are playing it. Um, especially on PlayStation, especially <laughs> on, PlayStation. on PlayStation. <laughs> if I don't have you in my game, I have no one. <laughs> so lonely. <laughs> All right. Well, so any, uh, oh, go did ahead. you find any other research on the buying and selling? Um, the only thing I saw, and I, I didn't even write down the price, was somebody in Second Life built how is it, Amsterdam, like the whole city, and sold the whole city. And I didn't really get much into details of how detailed the city is. It's like actually one by one ratio. But at the same time, what's on that planet that they bought for $6 million? A whole lot of desert, (laughs) right? (laughs) No clue. (laughs) Imagine it's like one of those uh, Super Mario Universe planets that's like very tiny. And they buy it and they're like, what did we just buy? We can walk around this planet in like a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Like you said, Howard buys the Sword of Azeroth and screams, I am the Sword Master. I love that because it's uh, jumping hands so quickly without any embarrassment that he just bought it it's like if you buy it it counts and you are the sword master doesn't matter it's in his possession there you go (laughs) but it got me wondering if that was actually even like a real place in the world of warcraft and based off because ryan and i have never played i just wanted to see if that was even a real place the gate of elzebub or the sword of azeroth short answer is no they're not real places or a real sword. They just made it up for the show. Interesting. And this is, uh, we're, we're assuming they're playing World of Warcraft, right? They could be playing a different game, but, uh... Well, Azeroth is the homeworld of the World oh, of Warcraft. Oh, so it is. Warcraft, There's right? just yeah. not a sword of Azeroth. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this because I watched the movie. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Aww. <laughs> I was very excited for a world of uh, yeah. It was called Warcraft, I think. Yeah, it was just called Warcraft. Um, they had they got some pretty big names in it. it. They got the guy from Vikings in it. They got um, I think uh, Paula Patton was in it. Like there was some like pretty big names. It seemed pretty pretty high budget. I had faith that if this went well, Blizzard would open up. For more movies like imagine if they did a diablo movie or a starcraft movie like imagine like that's why like my, my hopes got high and then i watched it and i was like 
That's never going to happen now. Oh, no. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about that old Super Mario movie and like uh, how excited as a kid I was for it. And then watching it, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I just watched, but that was not Super Mario. That was weird. That was really weird. Yeah, it was from the 80s. I remember John Leguizamo was Luigi. Mm -hmm. That's uh, all it. Um, (laughs) Shoot. What, what, who played Cooper? Who played Bowser? It was a pretty big name. Uh, oh, fuck. I have to look him up. Yeah, <laughs> look it up. I, I have it on the tip of my tongue. The only other thing I can really remember is the reptile head, the guy with the small reptile head. Bob Hoskins was Mario. John Leguizamo was Luigi. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. That's right. And Samantha Mathis as Daisy. Hmm. Oh, it was Toad. It wasn't Yoshi. Like, the the weird thing was was supposed to be Toad. Excuse me. Yeah, they really did that movie an, an injustice. I just have no idea what happened there. <laughs> there was a, another famous name in uh, World of Warcraft that, oh my god, it was... Alright, top cast was Travis Fimmel, uh, who was from Vikings, Paula Patton, mm-hmm. Ben Foster... Imposter. Yeah, he was in it, uh, and Dominic Cooper. It's like some really big, like some fairly big names. I guess they're not like huge. Like Ben Foster was pretty big for a while. Travis Fimmel was big because of Vikings. I haven't mm-hmm. really seen him in anything else. But, but still yeah, decently I mean, big stars. Yeah. And you know what, Blizzard, if you're watching or if you're listening to us, please make a StarCraft movie i don't even care who's in it i don't care how bad it is i will watch the shit out of that i would i would watch that a couple times uh and it feels like you have so much content you can't really go wrong with a story hopefully yeah they actually have a lot of books out there too in addition to the the gameplay but man if they end up with a little reptile headed guy named toad i'm gonna be upset (laughs) (laughs) no no they're pulling another super mario no what happened the weirdest thing about that was their last name both of them have the last name mario so it was mario (laughs) mario and luigi mario what the fuck were they thinking (laughs) it's the same time of like the mortal kombat movies i thought the first mortal kombat was okay the reboot uh recently i thought was pretty good too uh so they they can make decent video game movies just uh usually they suck i'm trying to think of the best video game movie out there you know there's one uh all right so the one i'm thinking of is werewolves within and that was based off of a video game? Yeah. Um, and it's a video game that I've never played. I hadn't really heard of. Um, but it's basically like a... Um, I think the game itself is kind of like a mafia game where certain people have roles as the werewolves and some certain people have townsfolk roles and they vote who to kill. And the movie is that there's one werewolf and the town is in this house together and they're trying to figure out who is the werewolf and they're kind of pointing fingers and trying to kill each other, even though, uh, no one knows who the actual werewolf is. And I, I found it to be a good horror comedy. Um, 
But again, it's uh, very loosely based on the video game. So I don't know if that actually counts. I, I'm, I'm going to say it counts. Uh, Super Mario's was loosely based on the video games, and that that counts. That is a total I'm going to say it counts. It counts. It, it counts. counts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So we move on into the next scene after the credits. And Sheldon is tired and he wants to log into Second Life and go swimming. They overhear Penny laughing and, Le- and Leonard needs to bring the mail he steals back to Penny. Howard comments that it's an old school technique and he likes it. Another illustration of Howard being a creep. Howard uh, definitely brings his creep out in this episode. Uh, he later says he's an expert in sexual harassment law. And he would it, need to be. He would need to be. I'm like, whoa, okay, we're we're uh we're taking a few steps in the wrong direction, Howard. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? But, yeah, it makes me wonder how like how many times he's done that and how many and how many people he's done that to. And, and we're we're laughing about it, but at the same time, uh it, it's kind of scary. <laughs> like I'm it's like very uh, red flags. A lot, very, of, a lot a lot of red flags. A lot of red Howard. flags for Howard, yeah. Yeah, I would um I would feel uncomfortable being too close to him, honestly. <laughs> my my thought in the scene is uh how did he get her mail? Like uh, they said he took it, but don't apartments have like lock boxes? Like did he break her mailbox open? I thought the same thing, unless he accident, unless he like legit accidentally got it. But he did say, like, did they use the word steal? Yeah, <laughs> they... yeah. Uh, it definitely gave the impression that he took it on purpose. Now, if that's yeah. stealing, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he actually got it because they actually show them in several scenes in the future that they actually have like a lockbox per apartment. And this isn't so like not... uh... a. Yeah old houses like i'm thinking like uh suburbia where the mailboxes were in the front yard and you just go up and open up the mailbox and take whatever you want but uh my parents still have that really right i yeah. figured uh those went everybody by the has a lock on it oh yeah. they all they, yeah oh they don't even have a lock on it right now they still just have the original i think wow it's been a while but i'm pretty sure i was gonna say uh around i think it was january um my neighborhood has mailboxes with locks and Somebody actually cut one off at the base and took the whole thing. Did like they, they know that <laughs> must have had like <laughs> something to solder it off with or cut it. It was a really clean cut. I don't know. And uh, how do you even haul that away? Put it in the back of a truck bed, and you have to have a couple guys. That is getting is... junk mail worth the effort, right? I, I imagine that you know I'm building up like this awesome movie story that they knew something was in there, either like a diamond shipment got shipped to some random person in my neighborhood, or maybe it was more like a, what, what's that movie called? A road trip where the sex tape gets mailed and they're like, we have to get that sex tape back. And the only way they can get it back is by cutting off the whole mailbox. (laughs) There it is. Road trip two. (laughs) (laughs) Written by Ryan. (laughs) Road trip to suburbia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, they, uh, Leonard hops out into the hallway and there he meets Doug and Doug asks, what's up, bro? And he's wearing a classic 2000s graphic tee. Ugh, 
what a style back then. I had uh, so many graphic tees <laughs> in the 2000s. I still have graphic tees. I love graphic tees. <laughs> well, you got something on your shirt right now. What does it say? Eat, eat something? Oh, this is a, a St. Patrick's Day shirt. Oh. It says, Wait, eat, eat drink, drink, and get lucky. St. Patrick's Day, Las Vegas. All right. It's like it's not St. Patrick's Day. I'm not in Vegas, but I figured nobody was going to be seeing me today. So it's a nice, comfy shirt. <laughs> Yet I see you. You see me and you <laughs> judge. There's so much judgment right now. <laughs> I'm not even sorry. <laughs> Leonard gives Penny her mail and Penny says that she wants to talk to the mailman. Uh, but then Leonard talks her out of it because civil servants have a tendency to snap. Yeah, and he's really, uh, this This is going with uh, the thought that he stole the mail because uh, the postman was doing his job and did it right. So he's like, no, you don't need to talk to him. Yep. No, no, no. <laughs> but this leads us to our first IQ point. IQ point. I looked into, do postal servants actually snap? And what is the history of going postal? That's the term, right? Yep. In American vernacular, going postal means to go uncontrollably crazy, maybe to the point of homicidal violence. This became a thing because of events in the U.S. from the 1980s to the 1990s. The incident that coined the phrase happened on August 20th, 1986 in Edmond, Oklahoma, according to medium.com. The shooter, Patrick Henry Sherrill, he had all the signs of of a mass murderer. He was a loner, not close to friends or family. He was considered eccentric and bullheaded. He would stare at women in the most creepy ways. Kind of like Howard. Howard. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, He had a reputation for prowling around his neighborhood, peeping on women. Uh, He got the job at the post office where he had disciplinary issues. He thought he was being targeted by management and would tell his coworkers he would get revenge. On August 19th, he was given a formal reprimand, which would be the last straw. The next day at 7 a.m., he went to work, locked all the doors, and shot up the entire place. He killed 14 people and wounded wounded seven others before killing himself. That was the first of 15 shootings by Postal Service workers from 1986 to 1999. So that is the history of going postal. It was actually a huge thing in the, in the United States. Huh. Uh, how many did you say? 15? Yeah. So from 1986 to 1999, there were 15 shootings revolving around Postal Service workers so statistically it's actually not very high Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that the media just kind of twisted it around and built this phrase about going postal and building this bad reputation about postal workers sensationalizing it you know i i was pretty young so i probably uh that's why i don't remember a lot of those reports but um there's a movie called tales from the crypt demon knight and there's a postal worker who's constantly complaining. He's kind of creepy, but he's like, uh, they're blaming for me for all this missing mail and this and that. And I don't understand why everybody hates me. At the end of the movie, he's uh, already dead, but they find in his room all the missing mail and a bunch of guns. And they're like, whoa, he is going postal. And I think that's what stuck out to me 
from like elementary school, like, oh, this is a term. This is what happens. But like you said, uh, statistically, it's not that much, but we did build up this stereotype, right? Yeah. And speaking of Demon Knight, I haven't thought about that movie in a really long time. Oh, my God. Oh, I <laughs> think of that movie <laughs> daily. I love that movie. <laughs> I remember the little girl that turns into a demon that like bursts into like this giant demon or something like that and like just starts going on the killing spray. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> what am I watching? <laughs> I remember uh, the bad guy. Oh, I um, can't remember his name, but. For some reason, the scene that sticks out in my brain is uh, he unzips his pants and um, like a line of fire uh, shoots out. And he's like, whoa, boy, calm down and puts it back in his pants. I'm like, what did I just watch? Like, this is me in fourth grade or whatever. Uh, I'm like, I love it, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember being on the school bus looking at like Tales from the Crypt comic books with uh, a friend of mine. I mean, when what we had to compare that to was uh, Super Mario Brothers. No wonder we liked it so much. <laughs> Facts. Facts. All right, well, so... I lo- <clears throat> well, I looked into the actual likelihood of Postal Servants actually snapping. Yeah. And based on the research, it's not very likely. This all stemmed from the media over-exaggerating the situation. According to an article on straightdope.com, there is no more likelihood that a postal worker will, will be slain at work compared to any other job. However, the job that would lead to the highest likelihood of being murdered or being in some sort of altercation, any guesses? I want to say, oh, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say bouncers, bar staff. That's actually a really good, um, a really good guess, but uh, I didn't see what where, where they were on the ranking. Uh-huh. But it's actually taxi drivers and chauffeurs. Oh, homicide rate is more than a hundred twenty-one times that of a postal worker. Wow, uh, and I guess that's how we get that movie, uh, Taxi Driver, with uh, De Niro, right? Well, yeah. It's also. Um, God, it's very like current to times now how there's like a lot of violence with like Uber drivers. Yeah. Like uh, either they or either they get attacked or they attack someone else. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, I've I've been in Uber cars or you know, I try to do Lyft, but there's a couple where I'm like, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. I might make this guy mad. Uh, and I get home and I say thank you. I give a tip and I run away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then you give them a one-star review. Yeah. And then Such I say, Karen. get me now, and I wave from the window. <laughs> Lenny goes back to the apartment, very sad. And Sheldon asks, Penny, for your thoughts? And Leonard tells them that he was, he saw Penny kissing another man. And then Howard, again, being a huge perv, asks for details on the kiss. What type of kiss and was it? <laughs> to defend himself, he calls himself a romantic hopeless romantic and that it's uh love is a marathon and you don't give up until they uh fall in your arms or they uh press charges right (laughs) maybe it's pepper spray that's what it is pepper spray (laughs) what the fuck howard how many times have you been pepper sprayed seriously whoa (laughs) yet another red flag we should almost count the amount of red flags that howard has (laughs) seriously it'd be another score but man that's gonna get long very quickly 
So Leonard proclaims that he is done with Penny and he will go for girls his own speed. He menses Olivia Geiger. And Sheldon responds, the dietitian in the cafeteria with a limp and lazy eye? Yeah, I don't think he have a shot there. Yeah, she's out of his league, right? So sad for, for so sad for Leonard. You know, uh, I'm gonna side note. I, I think it was around this scene where uh, I noticed that the cereal was like all gone on top of the fridge. There was a shot of Sheldon. And, uh, they have like one box of cereal. I'm like, what happened to all the bran? Where's the fiber? He needed some fiber. I guess they all ate it and uh, it all out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he's talking about other girls he might have chances with and he's not going to be able to get with the lazy eye and limp woman nope but sheldon (laughs) does recommend leslie winkle she seems ready for a relationship because he noticed that she's been shaving her legs which means she's ready she's ready and nobody thinks that this is a good idea but leonard uh just wants to ask her out so he should be fine Uh, yeah it's never a good idea to shit where you eat yeah uh don't dip your pen in the company ink nope you're right um but i, I like this scene it's the first um shot of um sarah gilbert right yep uh we go to leslie's lab and it's played by sarah gilbert and they were actually in another tv show together back in the 90s roseanne where they played love interests I thought this was really interesting because, um, you know, I don't know where this show is going. And in terms of time, um, I believe Sarah Gilbert came out uh, as homosexual in like 2010, like publicly. But I've read that she knew that she was probably interested in women back in the 90s. And she actually did date Johnny Galecki for a while and felt like something was wrong when they would kiss and that they broke up, but have remained friends through the years and years. Uh, and that, yeah, when she came out, she's uh, kind of crediting him. Like, yeah, I knew from kissing him and knew from, uh, you know, being friends with him and that he supported me along the way. But in this case, uh, although it's before she came out, I thought it was, an interesting twist on reality that they kiss here and she feels nothing. Right. So, um, yeah, good, great observation. And yeah. I, I don't know where, uh, if she's going to come back into the show or what, but, um, I'm like, this is kind of, uh, hinting at reality a little bit. If, uh, people knew it or not. So that was not an IQ point, but a partial point for something that yeah, it's a fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. There we go. Trivia. So he goes in and meets her at the lab, right? Yep, he meets her at the lab, and she's heating up her cup of noodles with a 500-kilowatt oxygen iodine laser. Leonard gets a little cocky and says that he's done it before, and it takes two seconds. It'll take two seconds or 2.6 seconds for minestrone. Did you look up anything about these lasers? I did. Nice. I'm curious what you heard. You did? Uh, I I looked up a little bit. I was confused. So this is what she was using is a chemical oxygen iodine laser, a.k.a. COIL. It is an infrared chemical laser that has been developed for the Air Force 
or at an Air Force lab in 1977, primarily for military applications. It's a high-powered laser that exerts a high amount of energy to a very small focused spot. The properties of this laser make it a candidate for nuclear reactor, a nuclear reactor decommissioning and nuclear warhead dismantlement. They, I'm not really sure if they're still using it, but they actually have adapted it to commercial applications, such as paint stripping, rock crushing, cleanup, survivor rescue, cleanups, cleanup and survivor rescue during disaster, and high power fiber optic transmission. And I read somewhere too that um, I think it was in 2010 around there that they are actually able to use it to. Um, basically uh, anti-missile weapons to uh, uh, destroy missiles like an air. Uh, so to me, it sounds like a very, very strong laser, like you said, pinpointing and obliterating whatever it's pointed at, right? Yeah. I mean, rock crushing. it sounds like. Yeah. So with this one, I, I, I was under the impression that that cup of noodles would be obliterated. There, there's no heating it up. It would be gone. Yeah, I actually <laughs> did a little bit of research on how much power 500 kilowatts actually is. Yeah. So first we need to ask ourselves, what is a kilowatt? Yeah. A kilowatt is a measure of power within an electrical system. But everything is measured in kilo... Most things are measured in ki- kilowatt hours, which is the amount of energy generated over a period of time. So if Leslie's laser ran continuously for one hour then it would be classified as 500 kilowatt hours but she did it for just a second so in order to measure all of this for just that short amount of time and how much power it is we actually need to transfer all this into a joule so a joule is the international unit of measure for energy so one watt is is equivalent to one joule so five 100 kilowatts a kilo is a thousand so it would just be 500,000 watts which equates to 500,000 joules a little bit of perspective a light bulb is 60 watts or 60 joules so it takes 60 watts to power a light bulb so to start a car 74,600 joules the amount of energy to boil water would only be a thousand joules and that's for a small kettle. If it's a very large kettle, it might be 3,000 joules. So Leslie's laser is 160 times stronger. Our, it would blow that cup of noodles up. <laughs> right? Uh, there would at least be a fire. Um, but I think I think it would just explode. Uh, what, what type of uh, electric bill are they looking at at the lab? You know what? It's it's on the school's dime. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> another little bolt. Or sorry, another little bit of um, perspective. A bolt of lightning exerts one billion joules. Wow. So yeah, she's playing with five hundred thousand joules. So compared, like that's nothing compared to a lightning bolt, but it's a lot of something compared to like everything else in humanity <laughs> everything we know and use wow yeah that cup of ramen would be gone what about the Did minestrone you do any other 
No, I, I got the same thing. Mistroni, um, um, paint stripping, rock crushing. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious of learning more about the disaster cleanup because it seems like that much power would uh, shoot right through rubbish, uh, wreckage, whatever, uh, rubble, and um, might go right through somebody's head that they're trying to save, but apparently they're able to save people with it. So, uh, Leonard suggests a biosocial exploration with a neurochemical overlay. And Leslie translates that to, are you asking me out? Leonard goes into a very long-winded explanation of the changing of the status of their relationship. Which is about 90% of the jokes of the Big Bang Theory, is they're taking something simple and just making it, just changing the terminology to be, like, a little bit smarter. And that's supposed to be the comedy. Sound more intelligent. Um, But here they actually jump a lot of the date and go straight for the purpose of the date, right? They're like, why why waste the whole evening when we can just figure it out right here and now? Yep. Even though Leonard did suggest the date, pick you up, uh, pick you up, restaurant, movie, rom-com, Hugh Grant or Sandra Bullock. And I did a little bit of research on what movies would actually be out at this time period. I was wondering that. Was Sandra Bullock in a rom-com at that time? Um, for Sandra Bullock, no. She no. was in a horror. She Ooh. was in Premonition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ba- back in 2007, but I think it was a lot earlier in the year Mm. Uh, and Hugh Grant was in music and lyrics with Drew Barrymore but this but this episode came out in shoot October I just said it (laughs) yeah this episode came out in October so music and lyrics came out in February so there are no Hugh Grant or Sandra Bullock movies out in this time period hey no I think uh the Hugh Grant thing I know Hugh Grant more from rom-coms than Sandra Bullock. I felt like Sandra Bullock was a weird choice. Like, saying Meg Ryan would have made sense to me. Because that's what she's known for. But, uh, Sandra Bullock. I I guess I still picture her in the, what is it, the net where she's a computer hacker. I remember that. I love that that movie. (laughs) I remember watching it and my friend's dad being like, Oh, you guys just want to see it because you think Sandra Bullock's hot. I didn't know who she was, but then I'm like... Yeah, I do. <laughs> wow. You called that one, dude. <laughs> How dare you judge me? <laughs> I mean, you're right, but still, don't judge me. <laughs> well, they have the kiss just to jump ahead. It's closed mouth, but r- romantic. They offer each other a mint. Very nice. And it needs to be spontaneous. And Leslie, they kiss, and Leslie says that it was a good kiss, but no arousal. No arousal. They end the transaction, and they shake hands, and Leonard leaves. But then he's shocked that nothing happened. Like, really? Nothing at all? And she goes through kind of the description. There's, like, not too much uh, saliva. It's not too imposing, right? Uh, But no arousal. And... I did a little searching. Uh, I don't spend too much time on this, but what constitutes a good kiss? And I think this is interesting because uh, I have no idea. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody likes something different. And the main thing I found over and over again was uh, being soft, easy, open, and compromising. So basically understanding and listening to your partner that there's no one kiss that fits all. That uh, if your partner likes something, go for what what they like. 
and being communi- communicate with it. Yeah, I definitely understand what, what you're saying. It's all about like it's reading the the body language of the of your partner. Definitely. Like they're going to make an action and respond to that action. And I'm not sure if any of the guys on the show have what it takes to do that. So they they just get kind of lucky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So yeah, he's surprised. Uh, no arousal at all. She's like, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and he right. gets back home, right? Yep. They go back to the apartment where Howard, Raj, and Sheldon are playing Jenga. Howard asked Sheldon if he was a robot and if he knew and Sheldon didn't, would he want him to tell him? Sheldon responds, would I be able to handle it? Howard responds, sci-fi has shown that no you would not be able to handle it. (laughs) And Sheldon asks if he is bound by Asimov's three laws of robotics. Have you ever harmed a human being? Or through action allowed a human being to be harmed? Have you ever harmed yourself, except in cases where a human being would have been endangered? So I looked into where this came from. Did you? Yep, a little bit. Lay it on me. I I got, um, you know, the first step was um, figuring out what rule three was. And I've heard these laws before. Um, Very popular, not just in the realm of fiction, but uh, ethics and robot ethics and AI ethics. Um, But we have the don't hurt humans. Uh, We have obey humans unless it conflicts with rule one. And the third law was to protect itself unless protecting itself conflicts with rule one or two. And so the question is, if he's hurt a human, then he can't be a robot because he has broken one of the rules and is not yeah, bound by robotic ethics and morality. Uh, but it does come from Isaac Asimov, right? And he wrote it about it in a short story called Run Around, which was published in a collection of stories called I, Robot, which eventually became a Will Smith movie, right? Yeah, I actually did. I dove into that, but apparently the movie that Will Smith did in 2004 is relatively unrelated to Asimov. That that was actually more related to um, a screenplay called Hardwired by Jeff Vintar. Huh. So they just took the name. Yeah, they just took the name. Like Super Mario Brothers. Oh, <laughs> never let that go. <laughs> and I think this is interesting because these laws have become very, very uh, grounded in our reality, but they were completely fictional. Asimov made them up, but he was so big with sci-fi that he created a reality where his robots are always going to follow these rules because... If humans decide to make AI or are able to make AI, then to keep things safe and keep things rational, um, they need to follow certain rules. And that served a purpose of making the stories interesting, um, adding conflict, interesting conflict. While in reality, we're like, that makes sense. We should kind of carry those rules over. And they've continued, even though they were fictional, to um, serve a part of our reality. Yeah, it really reminds me of like, it's like you said, it's very grounded in reality now as we're getting more and more into artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. They're building 
robots that look just like humans. Uh, I follow some engineering stuff on on Instagram, and they have like some crazy looking robots that just like look just like humans. Like, do you ever watch Westworld? Yes. Yeah, it reminds me that it goes into the 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 philosophical question of basically Asimov Asimov's law. Mm -hmm. So Leonard returns. The guys are having this conversation, and they're playing in Jenga because the internet has been down for a half hour. I like that. That's thrown in there, just kind of a side comment. Like, why would you guys be playing Jenga? It's internet's down. (laughs) Yep, sounds about right. It's hard when the internet goes down these days. Yes, yes it is. Uh, it's becoming something that, like, it's kind of like the power going out. Like, uh, it doesn't happen that often. So when it does happen, I'm like, the world has ended. <laughs> what do I do now with myself? Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. I'm lost without lost. the internet. Without my Twitter, without my Instagram, <laughs> my YouTubes. I need my tubes. I need my tubes. <laughs> Well, Leonard tells them about Leslie and his experience, and he says that the Earth didn't move except for the 383 miles that it was going to move anyways. Mm-hmm. There's no Which arousal. goes into the next IQ point. IQ point How time. How fast does the Earth move? So they kissed for about two seconds. I timed it. And I was trying to get the math right to, act to, to where he got 383 miles. So... When I looked into this, the Earth moves around the sun at 30 kilometers per second. Um, We also have to consider that it's rotating as well. So the Earth rotates on its axis 460 meters per second. And I was doing some research on all of this, and I was looking into the how, how they got their facts, how they got, like, who was helping them figure out all the math and everything like that. And they were talking to, to these science students and they couldn't figure it out either. They're like, well, how do you do this? Like, like I want to lear- learn more about this. And the, there's actually a third variable in the equation on how you figure out how fast they're actually going is that we forget that our solar system is revolving around the, the universe. The Big Bang so in ad- origin, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so not only is the Earth moving around the sun at a certain speed, it's rotating at a certain speed, and our entire galaxy is moving around too. So I honestly I spent a long time trying to figure out the math to get to get it to be 383 miles, and honestly I couldn't, and I feel like I just got the timing wrong because even like a millisecond adding a millisecond alters what the the math actually is so i had my stopwatch and it was like timing their kiss it was like a little over two seconds what number did you come up with how far did the earth travel i got 248 miles that's pretty close i, I, actually, I was thinking within wait. 100 miles is actually sorry um i got 285 i was looking at the wrong number i got 285 miles which is about 98 miles off from what he said so i was about 100 miles off but you're counting the kiss from lips starting to touch to ending touch because some people would consider part of the kiss as the actual leaning in for the kiss oh 
and this is something that would add that would add another second, which would pretty much get me where the math actually is. And there, there there's some talk about uh, sex later on that uh, that this becomes an issue. So, how long does sex actually last? That that that'll be coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, well, Leonard. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, Sheldon says, "Oh, this is great." Now he's gonna be listening to emo music and talking about cats. And Raj responds that he could just power down and just power down because <laughs> he's a robot. And, and then Howard says that he has a solution and that he could bring Leonard to a place with eligible women and Leonard could have his pick. They go salsa dancing. Salsa dancing. Yep. Where apparently Howard has some experience with Mrs. Tishman. He's been there. He's in for a treat. He's in for a treat. It's a good thing. <laughs> and this reminded me of college. I uh, actually took a ballroom dancing class in undergrad. I uh, was like, I need a pe class uh i'm terrible at pe and physical sports and labor um but i'm like you know i can take a dancing class it'd be cool to know some dance moves uh i'm still terrible at dancing but you know uh and i'm like maybe i'll meet a girl or two and i think that's a lot of people go to dancing classes to meet girls I would say 90% of the people were already in relationships and they were taking it to do a class with their partner. And so I was kind of sad there, but I did end up meeting two girls and practicing with them quite a bit. And we did not get along. It was very, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, oil and water type uh, reaction where um, they were yelling at me for not being on beat. I was yelling at them for stepping on my feet. And when it came to um, the final uh, exam where we had to demonstrate our skills in class, um, my partner wore flip-flops to the tango. And I'm like, you're tangoing backwards and your flip-flops are falling off. And she's like, well, maybe if you got on beat. I'm like, we have so many problems. So I don't think dancing is a great place to go to meet women. (laughs) So you're saying the earth didn't move for you? It did not move. There was no arousal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where would I go? Like, where did I go to meet women? Yeah, I didn't meet a lot of women. So, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> now that I think about it, I didn't really meet women. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're coming to us for relationship advice, don't. Don't, don't. We're here to talk about pseudoscience that we know nothing about, not romance. <laughs> because we have no PhD. No PhDs. Leonard comes back to the apartment singing what I'm guessing is an emo song, because that's what Sheldon predicted. I looked into the song. It is a song called Boston by Augustana. I love this song. I've, uh, I remember moving after undergrad, moving to Nebraska and listening to this song. And of course, moving from Pennsylvania to Nebraska is uh, not the same as the girl in the song moving from California to Massachusetts. But I like to think it was an epic move. And so I'd listen to the song and be like, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> I've actually never heard of this song. Really? And... Uh, yeah, even like I looked into it, like how popular it was, and I don't recall the song at all. Um, 
but it made it to number 34 of the Billboard Top 100. And it has appeared in show, other shows, uh, Scrubs, Smallville, Hidden Palms, and One Tree Hill. I'm surprised never heard. Smallville was still on it. at that time. It was like 10 seasons. It was 10 yeah, seasons? So it was oh, like, wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I'm surprised you... You probably heard it. You just don't remember. It didn't stick out for some reason. It may be. It's yeah. very... Uh, t- <laughs> it's funny how, like, you know me- music. Like, you can listen to... Well, not necessarily, but you can listen to a song and and really think about its style and know what era it's from. Yeah. This one screams 2000s. Definitely. It's definitely in that emo stage of... Uh... You know, Panic at the Disco, Say Anything. Uh, I mean, I was a big fan of emo music. I still am. <laughs> Weren't we all? Yeah. So We've all been 18 before. <laughs> well, Leonard says, oh, great song. And, and Sheldon says, that's a great song if you're compiling a mix CD for a double suicide. Which and is... then Leonard pulls out a scratching post. Showing that and, he's uh, thinking about cats again, right? Yep, and uh, he has uh, Sheldon's asthma in mind. That Leonard has thought of it, so he's looking into a hypo hypoallergenic calico, a genetically altered kitty cat. <laughs> yep. So I looked into those as well, and according to BlueCross.org.uk, that true hyperallergenic cats do not exist. That there are some cats better than others in terms of allergies. So some cats are more recommended over others for allergy sufferers due to how much protein they produce. There's a protein in their saliva, skin, and urine, and that gets on their hair and they start shedding, and that's kind of where it gets everywhere. So there are certain cats that shed more or produce more of the dander, that they are not recommended. So there are specific breeds out there that produce less of that protein and less dander. So if you are allergic to cats and you want to get one, these are the breeds that you should be looking at. There is the Siberian, the Russian Blue, a Bengal, Burmese, or the Sphinx. I was going to say, the Sphinx is the hairless one, right? Are they all hairless? Are they all hairless? I was just remembering the Sphinx. Uh, how Is many? It because of friends. Yeah, because <laughs> of friends. That's how I know it. <laughs> they really creep me out too. Like I, I don't imagine petting it. Like I imagine petting like a slab of meat when I would touch a cat like that. Like it's it's weird. <laughs> I've never I've never had the opportunity. Yeah, um, maybe it's different. Maybe it's a fun and cuddling experience. But to me, it seems. Uh, a little terrifying. <laughs> I like furry things. Yeah. The fur is cuddle, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Leonard is brainstorming some names. He's thinking about Einstein, Newton, or Sergeant Fuzzy Boots. Sergeant Fuzzy Boots. That's the name of the episode. That's where the title comes from. And I don't understand. I think about this a lot where lonely people or depressed people want to get cats. And I feel like that's like the worst thing you could do. Because if you've ever owned a cat, I've had several cats in my life, which I've loved to death. They're so amazing. I love them. But if you're look, if you're lonely and you're looking for companion companionship, you should get a dog. Yeah. 
I'm a huge dog person. I'm not a fan of cats. I have a cat right now, and, uh, yeah, uh, if I was depressed, she would not make my life worth living. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck about you. No, not at all. Cats don't care about you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew my cat loved me, but I know she didn't care about me. Yeah. It's weird that we're able to make that distinction, but it's there. There's love, but it's not an affectionate sort of love. It's not caring. Yeah, whereas a dog will, like, love you so much. And if something's wrong, they come to your side and say, Hey, buddy, what's wrong? Can I help? They know when when you're upset. Like, when I'm upset, my dog knows it. If my wife is upset, my dog knows it. And she'll Mm -hmm. actually, like, jump over to us and, like, kind of make us feel better. Kind of like, you know, they'll look at you and be like, Hey, what's wrong? It's like... Cats Can we talk about that. this? Let's fix it. <laughs> Cats on the other hand say, give me some food and then I'm going back to bed. <laughs> yeah, just feed me and fuck off. Yeah, that is. Uh... <sighs> but at least I'm lucky. I have a cat that does not scratch me. She has never scratched me. Well, that's good. Yeah, so uh, as thankful that's as what I it am. Stays that way. That's uh. That's love there with cats, is if they don't scratch you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and so, um... Have, have they marked you? Marked me? <laughs> My cat used to pee on me every once in a while to, like, mark me. I was <sighs> like, well, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I, she has not done that. She has uh, had a few accidents, and I think they're accidents because they happen when she got... Has been really scared when visiting dogs have come over. Yeah, I can see that. If it's not a familiar animal, yeah, and dogs are very playful, they're very loud. Cats don't like that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. But she's never actually marked me that I know of. Maybe I stink and nobody's told me. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> why you, you didn't soaked. even know it. <laughs> so uh, right. Sheldon starts talking to. He, he's trying to get Leonard to. Uh, not get the cat right and his uh trying to talk him out of it goes astray and he leads into saying that technically Leonard never asked penny out he can't feel rejected if he never put himself out there yep and then leonard responds with i should ask her out and, and sheldon she... freaks out no <laughs> the point is don't get a cat don't get a cat <laughs> but leonard is convinced and he goes to ask out penny where sheldon feels defeated oh goody we're getting a cat <laughs> knowing that he's going to be rejected and fall back into the depression there's no way out of it they're gonna get yep. a cat <laughs> so leonard goes over to ask out penny he's super nervous and he knocks on her door asks if she has plans for dinner and then it goes into the difference between dinner and supper and here's an IQ point. IQ point. According to Webster's Dictionary, dinner and supper are both used to refer to the main meal of the day, and especially to that meal as eaten in the evening. Supper is used especially when the meal is an informal one eaten at home, while dinner tends to be the term chosen when the meal is more formal. Interesting. Um, I've never used the term supper. Really? In my life. Never. Well, I get like biblical, the last supper, right? Well, I guess I've used that term (laughs) in my own life. (laughs) 
Um, in Nebraska, uh, when I was working on the news, I learned that people differentiate the two and I always get them flip flop because I grew up thinking they're basically synonymous. Um, and in Nebraska, they would put, I believe it was dinner as kind of the main meal and supper as like a late later snack. And, um, when we gave the weather, they would break up the day by breakfast, dinner, and supper. And I was like, what happened to lunch? And they're like, oh, we don't say lunch here. And my mind was blown. So what did they call the midday meal? It was a uh, dinner. So like at noon, when you're taking a break from work, you'd have dinner. Potentially. Uh, and, you know, you think of... Um, more traditional life so like even uh you know the way i remembered it is people would have dinner uh after church on sundays and they usually ended up having it around like one or two in the afternoon and it was like a big family dinner and then people would go home maybe eat a little snack later that evening but the big meal of the day was that, uh, and it was held, you know, kind of like a brunch, uh, where brunch is after breakfast, but before lunch. This was after lunch, but before the last meal. Interesting. I had no idea. So apparently there's uh, different definitions and interpretations of these words. That Where do you think that lands with a hobbit? Ooh. There's breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, lunch, lunch, <laughs> afternoon tea. <laughs> I'm sure they have multiple suppers and multiple dinners, <laughs> both formal <laughs> and informal. <laughs> Life would just just be so much more simple if we were all hobbits. Seriously. Well, Penny assumes it's a it's dinner with the whole group. She name drops everyone. Even says she likes hanging out with Howard. She even name dropped Howard. And, uh, you know, Larry's like... laughable. They they might be there. <laughs> and he is <and> <laughs> like, no, they're not coming. Uh, but they're they're setting up a time, too, right? And he, I love this joke that he goes, uh, it's not set in stone. And she goes, no, 630 works for me. And he's like, I'll get my chisel. And she's like, why? <laughs> I'm like I loved her reaction so much. It was so earnest. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> I've had uh people look that way at me so frequently. I feel like uh if that had been Sheldon, this would be a point for Sheldon, but it was not Sheldon. But um uh, I'll make a joke and people are like, why? I'm like, it was part of the joke I was saying. And they're like, Oh <laughs> awkward. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard is nervous and sweaty. Sheldon says that the dark crescent shapes disguise the fact that he's sweaty. And Leonard is two hours and 15 minutes early from getting ready. And I feel like we, we've all been there at some point where we're very nervous about something. So we over prepare. We get like really ahead of things. So he's just doing a normal thing. You're ready for like two hours and you're just sitting there. What's the word? not dreading but overthinking everything going to happen and getting yourself more and more anxious and nervous and that's exactly what leonard is doing mm -hmm. um leonard asks sheldon to lie if it ever comes up and he can't join because he's already eaten Qu quiznos 
and then Leonard continues to freak out, wants to cancel, but uh, Sheldon assures him that alcohol and poor judgment could lead to a great night. That's a big note I have right here. Alcohol and poor judgment. (laughs) (laughs) The story of my life. story of my life. Yep. (laughs) Oh, and then uh, he makes the statement like it could go well, or um, they could both hate each other and it could be awkward until one moves to another zip code and reminds me of a reference in the last episode that his previous girlfriend moved to Russia, right? No, North Korea. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) there's some, uh, information to back that up that they probably would move to a different zip code. Well, they said Joyce Kim defected back to North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later. (laughs) Put a pin in that guy. <laughs> it's coming back sooner or later. Well, then Le- Le- Leonard continues to spiral and he's running scenarios in his mind. Um, it goes to sex and then he just like freaks out and starts having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And Sheldon tells him to calm down. And uh, he just basically tells him to close his eyes and increase his alpha wave activity. And this is an IQ point. Look- Yes, it is. <laughs> Definitely. So that it, It's a biofeedback technique. It's a relaxation through brainwave manipulation. And Sheldon just looks for his science journal to explain how it works. Forgetting Leonard. <laughs> but what is alpha wave activity? Do you want to take this one? Oh, no, you've got it. I'll just chime in here and there. All right. So alpha wave activity, according to Healthline.com. Alpha, alpha wave activity is one of five brain waves. There's delta, theta, alpha, beta, and gamma. Alpha waves in the brain wave spectrum, alpha waves falls, falls in the middle, and these waves occur when you're calm, unstressed. Studies have shown that you can train your brain to create the, these waves on a regular basis. And that's actually what Sheldon is talking about. He's talking about biofeedback therapy which ultimately, if you sum it up in a nutshell, is pretty much meditation. There's deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, guided imagery, which is a concentration of a specific image, such as the color and texture of an orange. So this is actually a real thing. So you could actually train yourself to always be calm and cool and unstressed and everything. And meditation is a, is a really good way to do it. And that's uh, what I was finding, too, that uh, one of the first studies was talking about biofeedback, uh, and I was having difficulty following what does that mean. And then the next follow-up study was basically saying, learn to meditate. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, uh, meditation puts your brain into the right state for, um, was it the 8 to 12 hertz uh, range, which is the alpha wave. But the question is, do the alpha waves make you feel calm or do you get alpha waves because you have calmed down? It's a chicken or egg thing. Very true. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. But yeah, so he's, uh, Sheldon runs off, but says these alpha waves will help you calm down if you learn to do it. But they themselves don't know how to do it because he has to go find the book. <laughs> either that or sheldon just d- d- doesn't care about leonard and just wants to find a magazine for him to read just read this i'm not gonna guide you through anything. 
That sounds like a Sheldon. <laughs> so Leonard wants Sh- Sheldon to cancel for him and say he's sick, but just the right amount of sick. Nothing venereal. Nothing. Just a routine colonoscopy. And he hasn't bounced back. <laughs> routine and Leonard rushes off to shower again. That's, uh, you know, they mention he has um, time to air off that he smells too strongly. And so he goes back to shower. I'm like, hopefully that takes care of the problem. Uh, and the sweat stains as well. The crescents. Yep. <laughs> Well, in the next scene, you'll see that he's wearing a different shirt. Completely get up, completely yeah. different outfit. <laughs> Smart move. And uh, so he, at dinner, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that the colonoscopy comes right back into play, and he says, "Oh, Sheldon couldn't make it. He had a colonoscopy." <laughs> yep. And Raj and Howard Howard had to work. Yeah. So that's why it's just the the two of them. And Leonard is like really just stretching to find a, a connection with with. with with Penny. Mm-hmm. As everyone does when they have a crush on someone. They just look for reasons to, to build that c- connection. I feel like she's trying to make a connection, too. I don't know if she's into him at all, but um, she does ask him, is there anything new in physics? And yeah, she's just trying to open up the conversation and, like, um, show interest in him. Mm-hmm. Which is really nice of her. Yeah, and I don't think he realizes what she's doing there, right? Because he laughs at her and is like nothing's new in physics yeah it's so literal it's like nothing nothing duh and i actually uh made a note to do background like how's anything been proven or new in physics and then i just wrote fuck it because i don't even know where to begin researching that so uh, i don't know if you came up with anything but i assume that that's true and physics has not I looked into <laughs> string theory in itself just because um, so string theory is going to play a major role in the storyline of this series mm. because that is the subject matter that Sheldon is in. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's like I didn't go that deep into it because I know we're going to be talking about a lot in the future. So we'll research it more and more as it gets brought up. But um, string theory was first studied in the 1960s. String theory proposes that the fundamental constitute. All right. Words are hard to pronounce today. I know. I just copied and pasted this. (laughs) String theory proposes that the fundamental constituents of the universe are one dimensional strings in quotes, rather than point like particles. What we perceive as particles are actually vibrations in loops of string each with its own characteristic frequency. So that was like pretty much what string theory is in a nutshell. I think you and I are going to be doing a lot more research in the future, but for now it's like, I had so many other things to research in this episode that I just want to postpone this deep dive. And the way I understand that is basically if you look under a microscope and we can't actually look this closely because nothing breaks down this small but you get molecules you get atoms and then atoms are made up of particles neutrons protons electrons and you break those down into smaller particles and then basically beneath that in theory there are strings either connected or open making vibrations and the vibrations they make uh create what we see as these particles but we will do more research. That is just 
off the top of my head how I've understood and perceived it through the years. I have no words right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, what's the cheesecake factory? <laughs> Uh, Penny says that there's a chocolate key lime that's been moving, which sounds horrible. A chocolate key lime pie. Uh-huh. And I looked into that one, and it's not a real flavor. It's not a real flavor. It's it... not. I did a little bit of research. There's a lot. They have, like, a key lime cheesecake. They have multiple chocolate flavors and everything but in history at least from what what i've seen they've never had a chocolate key lime so i'm wondering if the writers just said that because they're like eh, sounds gross yeah i wonder if that's actually a lot of chocolate mixed with the key lime or if it's a key lime topped with like a drizzle of chocolate because i could see that i could see that my first instinct was would be a chocolate graham cracker crust with mm-hmm. a key lime cheesecake filling that's where my mind went. I don't know. I could see it working. I could see it working. A little tart, a little uh, limey, sour, mixed <laughs> with the bitter, sweet chocolate. Are I, you suggesting that we should create a recipe? I think maybe. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's. <laughs> maybe we will. <laughs> you know what? I. If I do, I'll, I'll tweet it. <laughs> the chocolate key lime. For the next episode, we taste test and get very sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robin Ryan died. Robin... Ending the podcast. <laughs> they made it to episode four. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leonard moves the conversation along about Doug. Back and Penny Doug. admits that uh, she went out with him because she's not over Kurt. And it was, and Doug is just for rebound sex. And again, Leonard tries to connect w- with Penny by saying, Ugh, don't you tell me about rebound sex. Like he knows all about it. <laughs> and Penny says that it's just 36 hours of meaning, 36 meaningless hours of sex. And Leonard needs a little bit of clarification. Is that 36 hours all at once? Is it a weekend? I appreciate his question (laughs) because I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Is it one glorious summer? (laughs) (laughs) And Penny says it's usually a weekend and it never feels good. Yeah. And Leonard takes it very literal and asks if it's because of, of chafing. chafing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's emotional. It's emotional. The emotional chafing. And th- this is where I came into, uh, as I said earlier, a little research on sex. Um, and the longest sex uh, had, and I guess it's very difficult to report these or prove them. Uh, there are porn stars who have claimed to have had sex for days on end, uh, hours and hours, uh, with hundreds of guys. Uh, but you know, uh, I was kind of trying to stick to one guy, one, uh, one partner with another partner, one guy and guy, one guy, woman, one woman, one woman. And I feel like when you start changing it up, it's unfair numbers. Um, if you start making it multiple people. Yeah. Anyways. So one-on-one, uh, sex, uh, we get, ScienceNorway.no says on their studies, they found people had sex with between 55 seconds to 44 minutes, with the average being 7 to 15 minutes worth of sex. 
And my brain immediately went to, well, isn't Sting known for talking about tantric sex? And that he made a comment years ago saying that he would have sex for eight hours at a time. And I did a little research into this, and apparently that quote's been taken out of context. And he's basically come forward and saying that sex is an ongoing act and that the romance is all part of it. So when he says, I have sex for seven, eight hours, that's part of the date and the foreplay leading up to the actual physical act of sex. And so we should open our brains, just like kisses, that kissing isn't just the lip-on-lip action, it's the build-up. And that if the kiss is going to be good, whatever's happened beforehand is going to help make it good. If the sex is going to be good, the initial play up to it and what's gone on the whole day beforehand is going to make the sex good. Interesting. So it's saying that like it's the build-up of everything. Mm-hmm. It's so if you're on a date and it's going really well, there's sexual tension, there's this build up, there's this anticipation, and that's all part of it. It's going to make the emotions more intense when things get down and dirty. All right. <laughs> <laughs> or up and clean. Up and clean. 36 <laughs> hours of cleanliness. <laughs> And so he decides to show her an olive trick. They get off the sex talk and the chafing and emotionally feeling bad. And um, I did another research on this. Uh, Centrifugal and centripetal forces. Do you look into that? I skipped this one. You skipped this one? Um, I skipped this one. (laughs) I I assumed it was all centrifugal force, but apparently uh, centrifugal... Fugal, 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 uh, is what causes when something's going around in a circle, what causes things to be forced outward. Centripetal force is the force that makes something move around in a circle. So centripetal causes centrifugal force. And so I figured he's right that uh, I was with Penny. I didn't realize that there was a difference or even different terms for this. Oh, I thought that she was just pronouncing it wrong. She got it right, but it was the wrong usage of it. It was the wrong usage that it was a different force. And that's what I looked up to that. I was thinking that she, uh, just completely misspoke it, but apparently it was just the wrong force. I had no idea. Yeah. IQ point. We just got an IQ point. Right? That's one IQ point for Ryan. (laughs) I'm at one. So how many IQ points until we get that PhD? (laughs) It's got to be at least three, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're there. Cancel this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We we are now the PhD necessary podcast. Yeah. (laughs) You need three IQ points to join us. (laughs) Well, Leonard drops the olive bumps his head, asks if Penny spilled ketchup, and <laughs> nope, he's not okay. <laughs> and he, he doesn't uh, go to a hospital, but they talk about that uh, on the way home, he's throwing up outside the car, right? Yeah, and she asks if that is a sign of a um, of a concussion. And he plays it off that it's car stick, that he plays it off as if he's car sick, but the for anybody out there, we looked into the telltale signs if you have a concussion. 
So if you do hit your head and if you're feeling any of these symptoms, headache or pressure in the head, nausea or vomiting, balance problems or dizziness or double or blurry vision, bothered by light or noise, feeling sluggish, hazy, foggy or groggy, confusion or concentration or memory problems, or just not feeling right, there's a good chance you have a concussion. Yeah, I was going to say, my mom got a concussion once. Uh, She actually slipped on ice and uh, um, didn't hit her head, but just fell down on her rump and it jarred her spine all the way up into her skull and caused a concussion. And it was all about uh, memory loss and being confused. Um, She didn't really get sick, but that confusion definitely set in. So, so yeah. what happened? Did you uh, just she, take her to the hospital? Yeah, they took her to the hospital and uh, they watched her monitor her for a while and she kind of came back too and was fine. But um, it was definitely like, you know, we think of concussions as bad headaches. But yeah, if you're feeling sick after hitting your head or falling down, uh, you probably should go to the hospital just to make sure. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. So Penny asks if this was supposed to be a date. And I thought that Penny was being really nice about the whole thing. Like she was like, she wasn't judgy. She wasn't like kind of mean about it and everything like that. She was just kind of like curious, like, oh, was this supposed to be a date? Were you asking me out? Very genuine. (laughs) Not like she would be against it being a date, but just how do I interpret this type thing? Yeah. She just wanted a little definition of what their, where, what and where their relationship is going to be. Mm-hmm. And he and says no. Leonard tries. Yeah, he <laughs> tries to pull it off. Like he tries to act cooler than cool. That if he's on a date, she knows she's being dated. She's no, she's being dated by me. <laughs> and after saying those so words, he, he's uh, maybe I do have a concussion. <laughs> but then he says, I, "I I should go lie down." Yeah. So then I did some more research, and like you're not supposed to lie down. You're not supposed to go to sleep. At least that's what I thought of yeah and but there has been new research so again everyone we have no phds we found our information on google take (laughs) this with several grains of salt so much salt Um, (laughs) according to medicalnewstoday.com that's actually a thing of the past we used to think that lying down if you had a concussion would result into falling into a coma or dying As long as somebody wakes the person regularly and monitors their symptoms, there is no harm. But again, it's kind of like, how do you monitor them? How do you, like, make sure that they're okay? Play it safe. Go to a doctor. Yeah. And what's regular? Like, every minute? (laughs) Yeah. It's very vague and cryptic and everything. It's like, you know what? You may not fall into a coma, but still play it safe. Yeah. That's what our IQ points tell us today. Play it safe. Go to a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So then Leonard rushes back just to get out of the situation. He walks in and Raj and Sheldon are playing a game again. And they ask how the date went. And Leonard is either lying or completely delusional because he just has the biggest smile on his face. And he says it was awesome. It was awesome. So he was just saying, Oh, it definitely wasn't a date. If it was a date, you would know it was a date. Girls always know they're being dated. The date was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) 
And Sheldon responds, score one for liquor and poor judgment. That's uh, my final note. Score one for liquor and poor judgment. <laughs> now that's a line. <laughs> and that's the episode. That's the episode. What did you think about this episode overall? You know, I, I like... Uh, it's giving a little bit more characterization to how Leonard wants to go about this romance and uh, Penny's acknowledging the romance. Um, and I like that Sheldon wasn't necessarily the focus of this episode, but he had some very witty background lines. Um, and so, yeah, I like kind of seeing the development of the romance um, and how they're going to handle that. Um and I just think that Penny and Leonard together have some really funny lines. So, like the chisel. <laughs> like, chisel, why? <laughs> I like this episode because it advanced Leonard's interest in Penny. That he actually made a move. He actually yeah. went for it. He was trying, he was reaching outside of his comfort zone. And I like Which is something that all of us need to do at some point the notion that it's easy to feel down and poor and depressed um, before you even attempt something and that you shouldn't make up your mind or feel a certain certain way before you actually put yourself out there. And that's exactly what's going on here is he's trying to put himself out there. Doesn't completely know or understand how, but uh, he's trying. Yeah, he, he went for it and there's a lot of respect in that. Because I know how hard it can be just to ask out somebody that you like. It's always yep. a hard thing. And to be shot down you or, uh, yeah. you know, for it to work out or not work out. It's, you know, feels like a concussion, I suppose, where he doesn't know <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I he also... actually did it twice. He asked out Leslie and then he asked out Penny. So he's getting some practice in. Yeah. I, I really liked uh, Leslie's guest starring and... From while well, I was doing a little research here, she comes back up. I didn't want to ruin anything too much for me, but I uh, did see that she does become a reoccurring character. I'm like, that's great because um, I know them from, they were my favorite characters in Roseanne back in the 90s. Well, the father as well, Tom Arnold, right? Uh, what's his name? John Goodman. John Goodman. I'm, Tom Arnold was in it though, right? For the early episodes. I never actually... It's funny that I know these things, but I never watched it. I like John Goodman just overall. Him as like a person and, and an actor. Yeah, Tom Arnold was uh, in it for a little bit, but I'm thinking of John Goodman. Um, they were like the first show I've ever ever saw those guys in. So, uh, you know, I like their characters. Um, but Darlene and... Uh, oh, what's his character in Roseanne? Uh, Leonard... Oh, I don't know his name. Uh, but, like I said, I've never actually watched it. I have no idea what no, the... No. I know one of the sisters' name is Becky because I know Sarah Chalk played her and it was like a big thing where they had one actress playing her and then it switched out and it switched out to Sarah Chalk who was actually Elliot in Scrubs. Yeah. I love Scrubs. Blonde doctor, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and like there is like no real explanation. It's just one episode like it's a new character and they just pretend that she's been the same person the whole time. Yeah. They did that with uh fresh Prince too. Really? With, um, and Viv. Yeah. No explanation. Just change the actor. 
I've heard a little bit about that. I, I see. I never watched Fresh Prince really. Uh, I've seen a couple it's episodes. Yeah, um, it's really good. Um, Uncle Phil, he is like a, the American dad, like the American like '90s dad. He's great. I've heard good things. I don't know why I've just. Uh, and you know, I didn't watch that much Roseanne either. I think uh, I was more of a Full House type guy. Yep, I was <laughs> <into> Full House. <laughs> Which is weird because I I watched none of um the follow up Fuller House. I watched the first like five or six episodes and I couldn't really get into it uh. because I didn't really see any growth from the humor. They basically took the exact same humor style and they just Kept just it adapted going. it over. And that's where I was like, eh, I'm not like this was great when I was a kid. As an adult, it's just a little cringy. Yeah. We grew up, they should too. Yeah. <laughs> like they they didn't evolve. They they yeah. It was <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Not worth it. Ah, oh, sad. Hey, you know, uh the other one, uh Girl Meets World. I never watched any of that, but Boy Meets World I was really into. Yeah, same thing. Mm, yeah. Weird. Well, it was a good episode. Good episode. Looking forward to the next one. I watched the first little bit and uh Sheldon puts his foot in his mouth at a social event, so I feel like maybe there's going to be a point or two for the Sheldon scale. <laughs> All right. Did you already did you already look, look into it or did you already watch it? I just watched like the first like two minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for joining us today. Um, please leave a review. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Stitcher. It would really help us out. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at theoretical nonsense pod at gmail.com uh follow us on twitter uh, and see you next time when we talk about episode four of season one the luminous fish effect Woo-hoo. thanks everyone this was theoretical nonsense the big bang theory watch along no phd necessary our intro and outro music is by alex Grohl. Please remember to leave us a review on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or send us an email at theoreticalnonsensepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Alright, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs>